And so anyway, it ended up moving to Malaysia in 96. Um, basically, it, it, I, was, I basically acted like I was okay. What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? I am being realistic. As the story grows. Hi, welcome back to the next chapter of As the Story Grows. My name is Ben. I'm Trav's kid. He told me to tell you to listen to last week's chapter before you listen to this week's with Bjorn Bauer. Thanks for listening. Nailed it. So anyway, it ended up moving to Malaysia in 96. Um, basically, it... it I was, I basically acted like I was okay. Um, I did my schoolwork. I was in my room all day and I would listen to music and read novels. Basically I, I, I had a, some Tom Clancy books that we found somewhere and I would reread them. <laughs> uh, I was just terribly bored. Uh, did just didn't have a whole lot to do. My, my brother had a bunch of pets that kind of like a monkey and a civet and a loris and some craziness. Um, what? That's a whole other whole other rabbit hole. We can go down there later for. Okay, I know what a monkey is. A what? <laughs> a civet? A civet? Yes, it's somewhat like a. Ra- it looks a little bit like a raccoon, but a little bit more like a mongoose, somewhere in between. Okay, and what was the other yeah. one? The loris. Uh, look it up. L o r i s. Um, slow loris, technically. So it's like a little sloth-like creature. Um, okay. <laughs> has big eyes. It moves really slowly, and you just it'll just kind of hang on to your shirt. You could be completely chill. making this up and lying to my dumb face right now. I, uh, I no, I've I, never heard I, of these and, animals. You know the, the pet stories. I tell my students all the time because you know you get to that point in the year when it, everyone's over it, and they just want to hear a story, and that's when I go into the whole pet saga. But anyway, um, I just went to the. Uh, I just went. I just took my family to the zoo in Washington D.C. Uh-huh. I didn't see either of these animals. <laughs> Google I, them. I, I saw some weird stuff. I didn't see either of these. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Google those. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool. I mean, okay. I wasn't into that at all. My, my brother kind of was. Uh, I think my parents, you know, they felt bad for us because we were so isolated and sure. it was really just an an intense place to live. I mean, there had been a genocide not that long ago. So we're surrounded by people that are traumatized. It's unstable. Mm. The government's corrupt. I'm, you know, going to sleep just afraid every night that the stuff that happened in that movie, The Killing Fields, would kind of happen again, you know? Um, because, that, I mean, that's that's where we were, you know? So anyway, right? I, I think that had, they finally kind of realized that um, my, my brother and I in particular weren't doing so great. So um, they, we, uh, this is another long story. I'll try to shorten it. Um, we had gone on a quick trip to Malaysia because my, um, my youngest sister was about to be born. And, um, 
my parents wisely felt like it would be best to go somewhere that is a step up from a UN field hospital, right? And Good so, move. yeah. So we're we're in Malaysia, which is you know a pretty, relatively speaking, a pretty developed country. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're coming from Cambodia to Malaysia, it's like going from you know, it's almost like going to the U.S. in some ways. Um, it's a, a pretty nice place, really. Um, still considered a third world, but you know, there's levels for sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're there, um, and there's this little international school, this little boarding school. Um, it, and, and, you know, Malaysia has, it's an archipelago. It has a peninsula and then lots of islands. But we're on this little island called Penang. It's kind of a little resort area, so it's, it's nice. It's peaceful, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so my parents kind of visit the school. They take me along. They're like, hey, you want to go there? I'm like, yes, please. Um, just I was just lonely out of my mind, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so. 16 years old at this point. Yeah, yes. And yeah. so they were able to send me there and, uh and so, yeah, they, they, a year later, they moved there as well. So, first, they sent me there as a boarding student. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah. And I was so excited about that. Um, and then, we ended up, they ended up all moving there, too. So, um, so that's where I went to high school. So, up in, basically, up until my 10th grade year, I've been homeschooled. Um, and so, you know, homeschooling has some advantages, but I am not a fan, having right. gone through it myself. Um, right. Yeah. It, anyway, I, basically, once I was in high school, it was like I wanted to do everything. I played basketball, I played soccer, <laughs> I was at student council, I was in the yearbook, I did everything. They I, had no I, idea what they signed up for when they let you yeah. come into that school. I'll do everything. They never saw me again. I, I was there the whole time. Yeah. So this school had kind of a unique culture in that kids would just hang out there all the time. Like School would get out and people would just kind of hang out. So we, there were a bunch of dorm kids that lived on the campus, right? Okay. And then there were a bunch of kids that lived kind of in the surrounding town, and their parents were either missionaries or business people or whatever, right? Okay. And so we had this little bubble on this, this campus, um, and we just kind of hung out all the time. Um, so that, that was kind of my world for three years when I lived there. And um, that's when I discovered lots of other you know, just and that's really where I started to get into more secular music. Um, just because oh, that's no. what you know. I know, right? Here's where we lost you. I know. Um, <laughs> just because, yeah, I don't know what it is with with missionary kids. They don't listen to Christian <laughs> music, man. I was the weird one. <laughs> right. It really was kind of like that. Um, I had, there were a few friends that were in some of the tooth and nail stuff. Me and a buddy were really into that Bloodshed EP. I don't know if you ever heard that one, but. I know of them. I don't think I've ever heard Bloodshot. Yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't know if it's worth (laughs) digging up at this point, but anyway. (laughs) Um, And and it was kind of crazy, though. There was was this little Christian bookstore in Penang, Malaysia, that, which, you know, Malaysia is a Muslim country. Um, The reason that they were able to do this was because that, um, it basically, Malaysia has a Malay population, a Chinese population, and an Indian population. Okay. Uh, with variants b- between those, um, if you if you're Malay, it's illegal for you to be anything other than a Muslim, right? But if you're Chinese or Indian or you know white kid like me, uh, you can do whatever you want, more or less, as long as you don't you know push that on on. If you try to convert a Malaysian person or a Malay, um, you're in trouble. Um, that you don't do that. So 
Okay. That's kind of how, how that was there. Okay. So there was this, uh, I guess the church had opened up this little bookshop, and this this guy just ordered a boatload of tooth and nail stuff. So I was able to, all those other things, that little pamphlet that I wanted, I was finally able to grab most of those. So that was fun. Nice. Um, and, I, and I was kind of the weird kid that listened to that stuff. And this is also kind of, the t- and I was I still kind of held on to that Seventh Angel tape. I was still, you know, it, it meant a lot to me. But... You know, this is like 96, 97, 98. Uh-huh. Nobody listened to metal. That was like, <laughs> you don't, that's, you know, stupid and cheesy, whatever. And I was like, guys, it's coming back. It's going to be a thing again. I just know it. You know, and of course, two years later, Corn comes out and kind of proved me right, sort of, if you can call it that. But right. um, <laughs> it, it felt a little bit validating. But metal, I don't, I, was, I don't know that metal made a comeback as much as somebody figured out how to, it, how, how, to, how to smush genres together and the whole exactly. metal core and, and thing market, happened yeah market it that way yeah um but so then that's when i started kind of i kind of this was kind of we finally had the internet at that point so mm-hmm. i i discovered paramecium and stuff like that. so a little more obscure yeah. metal that was happening that you know you kind of had to dig for i was starting to kind of Dig some of that stuff up. Paramecium so fits fun. with if if Seventh Angel tickled uh, yes. a doom nerve with you right. before you even knew what it was. Paramecium makes sense because that's yeah. whew, that stuff is gloomy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, right? You know, it and it really stood on its own really well. I think. I mean, uh-huh. I agree. if you compare it to like My Dying Bride or whatever, you can almost argue that a lot of those, the, like that big three, you know that group of doom bands in the UK that are, that kind of set that template and mm-hmm. Paramecium took that a step further, I think just in terms of, you know, <laughs> really yeah. uh, single minded pursuit of long, slow, you know, doomy stuff. So uh, remember the first yeah. time you ever heard my dying bride? Um, yeah, oh. but I'd heard Par- Paramecium first. So I wasn't terribly impressed. Stay with me. Yeah, I'm waiting to hear. I'm waiting to hear where we turn for the artist thing here. Well, so 
I mean, I'm not rushing you. Talk sure. as no, long as you need to talk. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, no. Keep keep me kind of talking at this about point. At this are point, are you? Because yeah, no, no, yeah. no. It's, whatever, dude. At this point, are you even painting yet? Uh, no. I was okay. So this whole time, wow. I'm drawing. Right. Oh, okay. And all real, right. And you wouldn't really assume this because if you look at what I do now, it doesn't seem to have that influence. But um, I, I had a, a whole collection of comic books that I read over and over again. So I don't know if you're familiar with Asterix. Are we talking comics now? Yes. No, I know nothing about comic books. Okay. Uh, you've seen the Tintin movie, I hope. Tintin? Yeah. No. Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> then you don't have any context. But basically, these are... But listeners might. So keep trucking, dude. I'll keep up. sort of like European graphic novels. Okay. Not graphic novels. Um, they're comic books, but not in like, you know, the DC comics format necessarily. Right. Right. Okay. That makes um, sense. That makes sense. But they were, they're older. I mean, they, they came out like in the, you know, those early Tintin books came out like in the, they were illustrated in some of them in the thirties, I think. Um, but anyway, Steven Spielberg made a movie based on that, that book series, maybe like three or four years ago. Um, okay. that would kind of explain what it was, but anyway, so I had all these comic books and so, my thing was as a as a young I've seen kid, I've like, seen about ten new movies in the past ten years, okay. and six of them were, had I, hobbit had hobbits I, in them. So I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like that. I don't. I'm not a movie guy. For the yeah, part. me neither. Um, I'm just disappointed every time I watch one. It seems like fair um, enough. Yeah, anyway. I'm actually I'm actually a little beat up with the comic book thing. I just feel like. You're out of ideas because not only are you on the third installment of Spider-Man and the ninth installment of Batman, but now now Batman and Superman are fighting. Like you guys are just out. Just go write a movie, would you? Oh, I know. I'll even take a romantic. I'll take a rom-com at this point. Stop making yep. superheroes oh, fight I each other. Oh, I just watched I just watched Pixar movies with the kids. It's way better. Way better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, so I was kind of influenced by that, and so I I kind of wanted to become a comic book artist. I kind of wanted to kind of create my own set of characters and stuff like that okay and never could quite figure that out um i drew a lot of airplanes i was my dad was a real like aviation aficionado i guess i mean he okay. always wanted to be a pilot but chose to be a missionary instead but mm-hmm. anytime you see a plane he'd freak out you know and so i kind of you know just oh that's a blah 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 you know right and uh i was <laughs> i guess that means something different when sometimes those planes make shit blow up so yeah yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now we see planes and go and admire them over there it might have been like hit the lights kind of a thing you know it wasn't quite that bad i mean okay we quite in the middle of all that but uh, there was one point in time where that was a little bit of a concern yeah Eesh, uh, wow. <laughs> But anyway, so I would draw a lot of airplanes. That was okay. basically what I would, you know, yeah, I would just try to make up these cartoon characters and fail miserably. And then <laughs> I would draw airplanes, which that's kind of technically difficult. So I think I kind of learned a lot from that. But um, okay. But basically, I, I'd always been able to draw. It always came really easily to me. Everyone always told me I was really good at art. So I just kind of kept doing it on my own. Didn't really have any art classes or anything like that. Um, and so when I, and then when I went, finally got into high school, um, I did have an art class. Um, it was kind of a, a weird scenario though. Um, so our art teacher really didn't have control of the classroom and she had, and she was a, a local, like she was 
a Malaysian artist. Okay. Actually, a really good artist. Um, and, you know, had gone to school in the UK and all kinds of stuff. Uh, really, to- should have been, would have been totally qualified, except that there was this cultural barrier and that she didn't understand our sarcasm or our jokes. And so she would say <laughs> things and then no one would cooperate. And I just kind of felt bad. And anyway, so she, most of her attention was on the other kids trying to, to actually do something. And I would just sit and draw and she would just hand me supplies and they, Oh, you should try this. You know, that's kind of how that went. She was really supportive of me, which was nice. That's great. Um, but it, it, now that I'm an art teacher, I was like, Oh man, I really wish someone had, could have, you know, connected with me and kind of help, you know, help me cultivate like a artistic discipline. I didn't really right. have that yet. Um, but at least I had the setting and I had some supplies and I, and everyone else was like, Oh dude, you're awesome. You know, you can draw anything. And so, right. <laughs> So that's when I kind of started painting a little bit. Um, and and I think I'd started at that point to sort of connect the idea of music being not just, you know, being an art form kind of like visual art is, right? I'd started uh-huh. to kind of make that connection that it's, you know, it's a vehicle for, you know, artistic expression basically that, you know, there's room for, you know, an artist to... Um, to use their own personality and their own perspective and, and bring nuance to the work that they create, right? That, okay. That I started to kind of figure that out. And a, a big impact was I, I discovered Smashing Pumpkins at that time. you ever listened to the the Pisces Iscariot album which was a it was like a b-sides collection uh-huh. and in the in the liner notes it's basically Billy Corgan just typing out his thoughts <laughs> on all the songs okay. and it's in his you know I, I don't know how familiar you are with him but you know he he's a talker and so anyway the way that he <laughs> he described his connection with his own work and stuff that's when that idea kind of clicked that you know, as an artist, I, I can kind of take all of these things that I've experienced and that, you know, that how I feel about all that kind of stuff. And I can put that into my artwork and make something unique out of that. And so oh, okay. I started to kind of make these, these weird little expressionistic paintings. I, I'd kind of seen some abstract art here and there. And so I kind of tried that a little bit, really having no grid for how to do it or any of that stuff. So I, I did, I just experimented a lot and it was probably, and in some ways, it was probably really good. You know, if I'd been in a more rigorous environment, I don't know if that would have necessarily helped me kind of get to that point. But now, um, now let me ask you. Yeah, I, I, I think I joked about it earlier, but now I'm asking you seriously. Do you think that's interesting to me? Do you think that not having the connection with the artwork to how important the music that how important it was to you is what made your mind curious and start thinking like that? Because uh, I, yeah, for sure. 
I mean, because, like, uh, strong arm, advent of a miracle. I'm looking at the vinyl hanging on my wall right now. It's yeah. the lady with her eyes stitched shut and her hands holding up that light. Right. I can't unsee that. That was the album cover. It's That's what it looked like when I opened it. Yeah. But if I hand you a cassette tape that says strong arm, advent of a miracle, you have no friggin' idea what that lady looks like. So you're going to make your own. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, reading the book and not waiting for the movie, White Heart mm-hmm. reference, uh, where, where you and I both saw the same, <clears throat> you and I both read the same book and you pictured it completely different than I yeah. did because you grew up in Cambodia and Malaysia and I grew up 20 minutes that way. You know what yeah. I mean? So we're going to see things differently. And I, that, that's cool that I think, I think that helped, that was kind of the, you know, finding the silver lining in your clouds, maybe in the fact that you were like a little desperate as a kid with like, I just want something to do. Maybe yeah. that made, that turned you into the artist you are because you're starting to see stuff because you don't have the luxury of having it handed to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I... And that's I think, why you're on the yeah. call. <laughs> that's super interesting to me. It's it's crazy. You know, at the time it felt so unfair and, and you know, thinking back on it, like, man, that, that kind of sucked. But, you know... At the same time, it's really just put me in a, in a unique position. Mm-hmm. You know, it just gives me, yeah, just different perspective. And I know what it's like to feel totally disconnected. And so now when, you know, it, it, you know I'm, I'm connecting with music every day now. You know, like I, I'm reading reviews every day. I, I buy records way too often. Uh, <laughs> you know no, I mean? no, you don't. Um, you can't. And, and, it's, and part of it's like I don't feel bad if I go overboard because, you know, I'm finally, like, living my dream, <laughs> in a sense, <laughs> right. as silly as that sounds, you know. Right. But, yeah. And it, it's and, – and partly that's made this whole, like, you know, the way vinyls come back and the artworks become more important because of that. Right on. Like, that's been – so exciting for me. I kind of got into it before it really started booming. But, you know, I, when people talk about how that's important to them, I, I, I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, that visual component with the music, I, I, I just value that. And especially when it's done well. Yeah. You know, we've, we've all seen those albums where the, the artwork is maybe an afterthought. It yeah. doesn't quite fit the music. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's like, a bummer. Like all those when metalcore started to make its surge 96 7 8 9 mm-hmm. everything had um typewriter script backwards with rib cages and everything and yes. it just felt like yeah uh, like medical texts and yeah like, i just felt like people would just put crap in a scanner and then just photoshop <laughs> it together you know i have like i have like five things i have a business card and a coffee mug on my desk i'll just start i'll take a picture of each of them and i'll flip one upside down and i'll scribble over it and i'll write the song lyrics up the left side and then scribble yeah. them out and then write them over and i just kind of felt like man i just bought the same damn album again you know it looks exactly <laughs> the same yeah, and I can totally see how that became a trend because as long as you had, you know, a scanner and some basic software, you could make some pretty complex images. And really, some of those weren't bad. I, there was one CD I thought had a really interesting layout. It was called Everdown, uh, the second album. Uh, that has some really cool imagery in it. I mean, I think it, I have to pull that one out again. I haven't looked at it in a while. But hmm. uh, there, so there were a few instances where I think that worked pretty well. Uh, but then, yeah, like you're saying, so it got it got a little silly. Yeah, but then there's 20 that don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So tell me a little bit about how you fell into um, writing for uh, Christian Metal Resource. Yeah. Um, so 
I was living in Malaysia at the time, and what would happen, and I think this, this was mostly after I graduated, and I stayed with my parents for a year after I graduated, just because I was a little bit stuck. I didn't really know where to go. I, I kind of knew I wanted to go to college in the U.S. Um, I didn't want to go to Germany because I'd get drafted. Like, they have a mandatory, you know, military oh. service. Yeah. Yeah, there's and, that. Yeah. Uh, and not so much that really, because I think, you know, if you don't want to, I think there's options. You can do community service and stuff, too, if I'm, if I'm correct on that. But um, I, I was a little freaked out by not really having spoken German in a decade and stuff like that. You know, mm. just didn't feel like I could just show up and fit in or be able to really get by, you know. Right. Um, so I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I love Germany, but I, I don't know if I can go back there. Um, and then, it, yeah, so anyway, I was just kind of stuck there. And I was trying to figure out what to do. And so uh, I had Germ- I still have German citizenship, um, and I obviously I did at that time. So to get to the U.S., I had to apply for a green card. Okay. Which ended up not being that terrible because my mom is American. So I still had to go to the embassy and go through all the, you know, the red tape to get that. And so basically that took me about a year. And so I was kind of just stuck at my parents. I, you know, was out of high school. I just didn't, couldn't really get a job because I was on a student visa. And so I somehow found this, this website and it had just started. I think Scott Moore, the guy that, that put it together, um, I don't. I think he only had a couple little reviews on there or something like that, and so I was like, "Oh, this is cool!" And so I emailed him, kind of like I did you, and I was like, "Hey, let, can I can I write a review or something?" And he's like, "Yeah." And so if, he was probably like, "I don't know if this kid can write." You know, thankfully I, I had a really good English teacher, so I mean, it was a stupid review, but at least I could you know construct a paragraph, things like that. So, <laughs> right. So I, I reviewed that Seventh Angel album. And um, he was like, oh, this is awesome. And so he posted it. And um, he was like, man, you can you can write some more if you want. And so, yeah, so I just kind of started doing that. And um, I he'd even have me, like, like put together the, the web pages for the reviews and stuff. So I'd, like, gather images and I'd, I'd Photoshop, like, little little title banners and things like that. And it just, just gave me something to do. It, I was just such a nerd for this stuff. And I didn't – no one else I knew – connected with it you know mm-hmm. the way that i did and, and no one else was into these obscure metal bands like paramecium all my th- friends thought i was nuts you know right, um, right, right. so anyway that that was kind of an outlet for these things i was interested in um and so yeah then i would start pestering bands over email and say hey you want to do an interview for this website and so they a lot of them were gracious enough to say yes and then so yeah i kind of did that for about a year Wow. Um, it, Self-starter. It, it grew. Yeah. It, it kind of became a thing, I guess. So when I moved to the States in 2000, they changed the name to Intense Radio. I don't know if you remember that. But then Sanctuary no. ended up buying it. So if you go to IntenseRadio.com, I think you get to the Sanctuary website. So. Oh, okay. Uh, they didn't, I don't think they ever did anything with it. I think basically the, what, what it became was sort of like a, like a streaming Christian Mail radio thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, and I, I think basically I stopped doing it because I was just really busy. And then I think that at that point was when Scott, who had started it, I think was just overwhelmed with his own life and just decided to sell it, you know. 
Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I'd kind of forgotten a lot of that stuff. I didn't even remember the intense radio part until I, <laughs> until I looked up, looked it up to, to see if I could find any of the, the old stuff, like all the reviews and stuff are gone, but, uh-huh. um, yeah, it was, it was kind of a fun thing. <laughs> yeah. Super fun. Yeah. This guy's, uh, you, you're not even, you're not even, I mean, how long were you even in the country at the time? Were you even over here yet? Uh, I started doing it in Malaysia. Yeah. You're right. 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 Yeah. So yeah, I started yeah. doing it there and, um, yeah, I just got on my dad's computer and, you know, I, I, you know, email bands and I would come up with really terrible interview questions and <laughs> then I'd put that all together, made a little web page, and then I'd, I'd email it to the guy and he'd post it, you know, that's basically nice. how we did it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. so I know I talked to the guy, uh, Chris Rains from Spitfire, um, Extol. I, I did interview Andrew Andrew Tompkins from Paramecium. That was fun. Cool. He was really nice. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember now who else it was. I wrote a, some pretty terrible reviews too. I remember I didn't like the first um, Zayo album very much. Uh, it wasn't even their first one. Um, it was the uh, the one that kind of blew up on Solid State. It was the uh, the Splinter oh. Shards album. Oh, that I, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was kind of so. Here's why I didn't like it. It was kind of pegged as this this grand melding of metal and hardcore and I just wasn't buying it <laughs> at the time. I just, I just felt it was kind of sloppy and I didn't really think I could kind of see some metal influences, but I didn't feel like they quite pulled it off, which I was probably just being harsh cause I was a snob or whatever. But <laughs> it was kind of fun. So I, I got like hate mail from, from Zayo fans. I love uh, it. About, oh, that's, it's, it's an awesome album. What are you talking about? And I was just like, yeah, sorry. Didn't really like it. But a couple years later, I really got into the uh, the Splinter Shards and uh, Liberate, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you, mean, yeah. you mean Blood and Fire? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Everybody did. Yeah. No, I mean, and that was, yeah, I was, and even the self-titled album, that was like a, I, you know, this was when I was in Oklahoma as a college kid trying to figure out life in the U.S. I had this um, 82 Pontiac Bonneville that I bought for $500 and then spent $200 to put a stereo in it. And uh, I'll always remember listening to self-titled in that thing, just at unreasonable volumes. So, yeah, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I still like some of those songs, but yeah, I can kind of see why they, they weren't super happy with that one. So now, now you're in Oklahoma and you're going to college and uh, catch, catch us up to speed now because it sounds like you uh, landed in Oklahoma, got an education, and you haven't moved very far. You're probably a little sick of moving, aren't you? I, w- I was really sick of moving, yeah. Um, and so that has something to do with the fact that I've been in Oklahoma for so long. Um, you know, and my wife, who we've been married for 14 years now. Um, she's lived here her whole life and, you know, she would have been excited to move somewhere else. And, you know, it's still something we talk about a lot. Um, 
but you know, my I've always been a little resistant to going anywhere else because you know I feel even though Oklahoma is kind of a weird fit for me in some ways, um, you know, it's definitely been a good home for me, you know, and it's right. felt, you know, stable and just you know, just to have some consistency over a decade has been really nice, you know. Right. Um, I sure. haven't like the longest I'd lived anywhere before that was until I was eight in Germany. And after that, it was every four years, you know, I would have to figure out another place, you know? So yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely been, that's definitely been part of it. You got, you got a, you got a job as you're teaching art. So that, that's yes. another thing is it isn't like you're job hopping or anything. You have like a career yep. there too, and you're doing yeah. something amazing. Sure. So that's uh tell yeah, us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's been really cool. Um, so basically, you know, the high school I went to in Malaysia, like I said, I, I did everything. I was super stoked about high school because I'd been homeschooled and it was awful. And then that was amazing for me. So um, I just really made the most of that. And I just re- I had a lot of really good teachers. Um, so that kind of put me on my career path a little bit. That's when I decided, hey, I like art. I like this high school thing for whatever reason. My, mm-hmm. my students now think I'm insane, but... Um, (laughs) so it just kind of made sense to, uh, to go into teaching art. Um, and so basically a year after I moved to Oklahoma, uh, I, I I wasn't doing a whole lot. Basically I was, you know, I was, um, working as a cake decorator at a grocery store. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) I did that all through college. Um, you know, didn't really want to do it, but you know, it was, uh, Good way, you know, they paid me more than anywhere else would have paid me, and they were flexible with my school schedule. So, you know, it turns out if you're a halfway decent cake decorator and you show up and you, you know, you, you don't mess up your orders, you know, grocery stores value you more than other people. <laughs> so, uh, huh? Okay. So yeah, that was I, I honestly I probably could have gone into a career in that, and uh, I had lots of people I work with that were like, oh, you're you're so good at this, you should totally be like a cake decorator and I was like no uh, I don't want to do that so um, I've been you know going you know going to college full-time and doing that full-time you know which it was kind of a intense thing to do I had also um, got married in 2002 so uh, so yeah kind of that, that phase of my life is kind of a it's busiest I've ever been you know it's kind of a, a whirlwind it and going from you know utter boredom on one end and then landing in America and then here you can work 40 hours now I'm like okay and then at, at the end of the week you think your, your knees are going to explode you know kind of there's there's plenty to do here there's, yeah, <laughs> there's too much really work at keeping each other busy you know yeah. so that was a little bit of a culture shock there but um, so yeah I went to the University of Central Oklahoma uh, and got a degree in so basically a bachelor's in fine arts and then along with Kind of an education minor, basically. Okay. Um, and yeah, went into student teaching and decided I really liked it. So that was good. Kind of worked out that way. Um, I, I do think, you know, for anyone that's going into teaching, you know, student teaching is a, really the most valuable part of that degree program because, you know, they can talk about how to teach a class all day long, but until you're in there with another teacher trying to, you know, contain the chaos and keep people engaged and interested and all that kind of stuff. That's when you kind of know if you're cut out for that or not. You know, if you can actually have fun 
doing that. Chances what grade? Okay. Uh, what you know? grade or age group do you teach? So I teach high school. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. And I've yeah I've taught for I've just finished up my eleventh year, so feeling pretty comfortable in that. Um, started out at a, as, at a middle school, and that was pretty rough. You know, your first year is always pretty rough, but you know they they kind of teach you or they, they try to teach you to to be like really stern and consistent and strict and all this kind of stuff and uh-huh. you know, i'm not like that and so i i tried to fake it and it bombed pretty badly and uh in middle in middle school that middle school i taught at yeah those, those yeah. kids could sniff I've, out my, i've been saying it for years new mailman gets the shitty route <laughs> yeah that's what i was yep yep and uh but i somehow i was able to impress my principal enough that uh, when a high school job came up that summer, she gave me a good recommendation. Uh, somehow got this job at prob- you know, probably one of the most desirable schools to teach at in the vicinity. You know, um, huge suburban high school. You know, it's kind of where everybody wants to teach, right? Somehow I got that job. Still kind of amazing mm-hmm. to me. And I taught there for eight years. Um, and you know, it was kind of one of those things where. You know, my my classroom was probably about as nice as what you'd see in a lot of colleges. Like it had been like specifically built as an art room, which is really rare around here. Um, yeah, I and can't, so it's one of those. Man, I, where, I go into I go yeah. into entire school districts. I can't think. I don't think I've ever set foot in an art room. Yeah, no, it was an art room. It had skylights. It had like huge windows. It had like five sinks, which is like if you're an art teacher, that's that's it right there. Yeah. It's invaluable. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. So, and, you know, they, it was a really, really a good environment. But, you know, I kind of started to, you know, just the culture that I was, I'd been in for that long was starting to kind of wear me out a little bit. Just, um, I don't know what it's, what it's like in, in Pennsylvania, but, uh, it, so it's a, you know, affluent suburb, right? Uh-huh. Sports is kind of everything. Sports and academics, right? And so... Everyone was happy that I was teaching kids how to do art and all that kind of stuff. They, you know, they wanted to be able to say that they had like a cool art program and that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, if a student wanted to become an artist, their parents would freak out a little bit and they'd be like, what do I tell them? How do I, you know, they'd, they'd ask me, how do I talk my kid out of being an artist? More or less, not quite so directly, but that's the impression I got quite frequently. And so uh, it wasn't like this huge thing, but it kind of, after six, seven, eight years of doing that, it's like, it kind of, you know, it kind of felt like a little bit of a, up an uphill battle. Um, sure. And then, you know, and, and that, I don't know what, again, I don't know what you guys are dealing with uh, over there, but, you know, we're having horrible budget issues and it's been kind of ongoing and it's just been getting worse and worse. And so, you know, they're just cramming kids into my room. Like, you'd start with 30, and then before you know it, there's 38, and you're out of chairs, stuff like that. Yeah. And so, um, and we were also kind of living a little bit further out, but kind of in the same, like, suburban area. So this is Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, and we just kind of gotten tired of, you know, just part of, you know, you go to a, you know, a, take your kid to a birthday party, and... You know, I'm the only one that's not dressed like a golfer. Yet, most of these people are younger than me. 
You know what I mean? And I just, it was just, I just felt a little bit out of place. And it wasn't that people were, you know, I, you know, it was just, it felt a little off, right? Uh-huh. And so uh, we decided to look around and, and see what was actually in Oklahoma City, not in the in the surroundings. Um, and so we found a house and we moved into the middle of Oklahoma City and um, just went went from like a, a suburban house that we had that was new when we bought it to a house that we're in now that was built in 1939. Um, it just I don't know. It just seemed seemed like a better move, and uh, at no regrets. Actually, it's been really cool. Um, and so at that time, I was like, okay, time to look for a different school. You know, I've been there mm-hmm. long enough. Uh, and it was kind of hard because, in a lot of ways, you know, I was really comfortable there. I was, you know, the administrators really liked me. That kind of stuff. Um, and even though overall the culture was a little bit awkward and, and had some issues with it, I also had some really great students. I mean, there are a handful, it's always a handful that you're, that keep you going, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so at the same time, I was like, yeah, it's time to kind of check out some other stuff. So, um, I, I look around and find a listing for a job for this, um, kind of magnet school that's in, in Oklahoma city. Uh, my daughter's getting ready to go there next year. Um, and I applied and it, you know, it's like down the street. They never got back to me, but, the next day I heard from this random charter school I'd never heard of. And um, they were like, hey, you want to come work at Harding Fine Arts Academy? And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I'll come check it out, you know? And, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, we're in this old building that's never been renovated. Uh, it's kind of crazy. But, it, you know, it's, it's like exactly where I needed to be. You know, ah, um, that's good to hear. We have we have parents and we have students that, you know, the kind of you know the run of the mill way that you know school is done and in, in the big high schools, you know, they didn't really fit in there, and so this is kind of where they fit in. You know, so we're really kind of just a bunch of weirdos. Um, yeah, explain explain. Of, I don't know yeah. if it's different from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma, state to state, but explain how charter school works. Well, I'm still kind of figuring it out. Um, okay, then do your best to explain how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't totally understand like all the, like, the policy stuff that goes into it, but um, basically, um, it, you know, a, a charter school is sort of founded by a group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're pretty influential people that basically come up with sort of a mission for the school mm-hmm. and um, a, a charter, right? And they have to come up with some kind of, they have to specialize it in some way to kind of differentiate it from your average school. And so our school, for example, is a fine arts integrated college preparatory school. So in other words, our students are, are, you know, we give them a rigorous program to prepare them for college, but even our um, our core subjects have fine arts integration. Okay. They have to you know, take elements from the visual and performing arts and integrate it into their curriculum, right? So okay. I'm going from a massive blue ribbon school that, you know, has super high academic achievement and all this kind of stuff where the academic teachers kind of just, you know, don't really take me very seriously. I mean, they're nice and all, but, right. you know, you kind of knew that was under there um, to a place where, like, the, the 
history and English teachers and the math teachers actually like collaborate with me and actually are excited that I'm there and that I can really engage these kids with the arts, stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's just a totally different vibe in, in that sense. Uh, we, we secure a lot of our own funding. You know, we, we write grants, we get sponsorships, um, and also we're able to, we do get some money from the state, but we're able to, to we have more flexibility in the way that we allocate it. Okay. So, for example, you know, we've just gone through massive budget cuts. Um, you know, we're so much shielded from that because we can, you know, distribute funds a little bit differently and we can fundraise, basically. Um, so, I, I still have a job. So, uh-huh. so that's good. Um, and it and just the fact that it's so much smaller, you know, it's we're like 28 teachers, I think, and just under 400 kids. So coming from 4,000 kids you know, and over 100 teachers, different wow. world, man. It's, uh, it's, it's been pretty cool. So. Different, different world. One-tenth yeah. of the world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wow. So, you know, and, and there's different opinions on charter schools out there. Um, I can imagine them failing miserably if they don't have good leadership in place. You know, we're, you know, I'm fortunate that, you know, at my school we have very good administrators. We have a really good board that really gives us the tools and the freedom to, you know, to work with these kids in a way that really works. Um, so I, I'd say, we're, you know, we're kind of a success story in that, in that little experiment. But at the same time, I, I can really see that, you know, if, I, if we didn't have the kind of leadership and the support that we do, Mm-hmm. This would be a mess, you know. So that's kind of my two cents on the on the charter school thing. I, I it's more than I knew before I asked you because I pass charter schools, I service a few charter schools. I don't know how to uh-huh. keep the lights on. I don't know. I don't know how to get their funding yeah. and stuff. So now right. I know a little and, bit. And yeah, they're all a little bit different. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of it as far as that's my understanding of it. Right. I think we caught it all up now, right? So how old's your daughter? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I have two daughters. I have da- oh. a three-year-old. She's about to turn four. Her name's Vera. Um, she's a little, little force of nature. Uh, <laughs> and then my oldest daughter is 11. Um, so yeah, she's about to go into sixth grade. So uh, you can't tell, but I'm I, I'm six seven. So I'm you're six seven. seven? Yeah. So all my all my kids are giants. My wife Laura is pretty tall too. She's um, she's five eight, and her her brother is like six five or something like that. So, so you know, our gene pool is definitely um, you know definitely gives them an advantage when it comes to to height to stature. So, man. <laughs> so yeah, all our kids are completely off the charts. Um, my son, who's in the middle, he's ten. Uh, he's the most normal looking, but he's still a tall kid. So wow. Yeah. Uh, so my daughter, my oldest daughter, she is. Five eleven and a five ten and a quarter. You gotta be kidding me! It, no. <laughs> oh man. So uh, yeah, she yeah. So anyway, that's the, man. The, if we had a if we had a family Bauer versus Turner basketball game, you guys would <laughs> you guys would well, decimate us. We're no, a bunch of. Well, here's the thing: none of us are athletic at all. Like, we're all. Really you don't have to be. Just get the ball to the center, and you can drop <laughs> it in. Say that. Yeah. I mean, I I tried so hard to be a good basketball player, but. Man, I I was okay at the height of my powers, um, but 
that's about as far as I got, you know. Um, Six seven, dude. You're still yeah. well. You're you know, still a half like a. You're still a half a foot shorter than Shaq. That's how big that dude right. was. Well, I know it's crazy. He weighed but like yeah. three oh eight. Ah. I I always had to play center though. Well, you know yes, I mean? yes, Bjorn, you have to play <laughs> center. It's what are you going to do? Power forward at six that, seven? But it sucks. It's horrible. <laughs> you just get pushed around. You don't get to shoot. I, I kind of like you know. I, I kind of like the the defensive part of it a little bit better. Okay. Um, offense was just. Uh, so confusing. I did not like posting up and all that kind of stuff. So. Look, man, you've been I, talking yeah. for 90 minutes. I, I refuse to let you sit here and bitch about how b- hard basketball was being six foot seven. <laughs> you should try being a tubby white kid, five foot eight. You, I'll tell you how much basketball sucks. <laughs> Every time I got the ball and I turned around to shoot, it got stuffed straight down my throat. <laughs> I was like, I hate basketball. This sport sucks. Man, it's, it's a hard sport. I mean... <laughs> It was really hard at 6'7". I can't even imagine being of average height and having to do all that. Man, it's crazy. Man. Hey, man. Uh, that's awesome. I appreciate I appreciate your time. I think I think we covered a lot of we covered a lot of cool stuff. Uh, as we head out of here, why don't you tell us about your website? Because I want I definitely I'm going to put this in notes and I want people to go check out your site and see what you do. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate that. What is the uh, what's the website? Uh, BjornBauerArt.com. And I will put that in notes, and I want everybody to go check that out. Bjorn, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.